Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. I have a fantastic guest for you today. My interviewee today is the wonderful model, actress and activist Hari Neff. She was the first trans woman signed to IMG Worldwide, one of the biggest model management firms in the world. She has graced the covers of publications like Elle, Love Magazine and Interview. She has appeared in a number of editorials in international editions of Vogue and Wonderland Magazine, among many others. She may be currently best known for her role in the Emmy award-winning series Transparent, Hari lives in LA currently and is starring in the Gucci Bloom Fragrance campaign alongside Dakota Johnson and Petra Collins. Today I interview Hari about a film she's just been in that is now out in the UK. The film is a black comedy thriller called Assassination Nation. It also stars Suki Waterhouse and it's out now in UK cinemas. It had its world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival earlier in the year. And the premise is about a group of best friends living in a world of selfies, emojis, snaps and sex. And they live in the town Salem. And there is a massive data hack resulting in half the citizens' private information spewed into the public view. After this data hack, the community in Salem descends into anarchy and the Times have called it the crucible for the Instagram era. The Guardian have said it feels like the product of a one night stand between Spring Breakers and The Purge. Some of it I had to watch behind my hands because I'm just so jumpy. But the topics were so on point and stylistically it is a super interesting film. I recommend you going to see it. In this episode, we talk a bit about the film. We also talk about dealing with internet storms, how to deal when you are being bullied online, how Hari picks her projects and how she loves working on thrillers that centre around social media and why. We have a really nice chat and like with all my episodes, I don't really go in with a page of questions. We just talk and I really enjoyed meeting and talking to Hari. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and here it is. So excited to be here with Hari Neff. I'm a huge fan, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. I loved the film Assassination Nation. I did just admit to you that I'm a bit of a wimp and a massive baby when it comes to thrillers, but um, this was just so amazingly done. And I was on the edge of my seat, but it's just, it's such a brilliant story. Yeah, it's, um, it packs a wallop. There's so much talk about, you know, the film's topical themes and its politics, but I think the film is above all fun the style and the clothes and obviously the way that you are all with each other I mean it's so disturbing in places but there are funny moments with the launch of it because I watched a YouTube clip the other day um, the director Sam Levinson he's addressing the crowd and I think it's a screening in America I think but he's really emotional Um, and I just wondered like was it an emotional experience on the set or is it just did it get emotional when it was released because he really cares about these topics as does everyone yeah this is Sam's baby and I wouldn't say the shooting process was overtly emotional it's not like we were you know breaking down crying hugging each other we just had a lot of support for each other 
and gentleness and kindness and care that I think was needed to get through some of the more intense scenes mm. that we were shooting. Like the subject matter at the heart of it is quite yeah, it's, full it's, on. It's super dark, but I think we were able to plunge into that in no small part due to the environment that Sam led the way in creating on this set. Mm. He understood just as much, if not better, than we all did what his responsibilities were not just as a director but as a man leading the way on this film about four women and the level of humility and empathy and openness he had to all of our thoughts and all of our feelings and anything we cared to bring up to him was really quite astounding you don't always encounter that you know, I, I, I have spoken about this on the record, but there there was even, you know, one thing slash kind of person on set that, you know, kind of set off a little bit of a red flag for us four. He, he wasn't quite conducting himself 100% appropriately, nothing egregious, but we were all kind of like, hmm. Mm-hmm. And we told Sam about it. And next day that person was on a plane back to where they came from. So that's the level of, um, you know, total deference and respect and love that he brought to it. Mm-hmm. He, he really put his money where his mouth is on that one. Not all men, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I guess it is <laughs> when I watch it, I was a little bit like, oh my God, I can't believe a man wrote this, which I don't know is me like generalizing that people can't, but also i think you four are so respected as creative women in your own right that you would have only agreed to do this if it was good vibes it feels oh yeah and and it was the it was the best vibes i mean when i saw when i read what the script was and i saw that the person who wrote it was who he was i thought to myself this this couldn't possibly be good but it was and that was the shocking thing about it it actually kind of you know disabused and parochialized my preconceived notions about you know who gets to tell what story I think there's been a lot of talk about that lately but there is a way to do it where you know you can navigate the identity politics and get to a place of truth you just have to do it with um very little ego Mm. and yes this is an amazing example of it working yeah I, I another thing I mean no spoilers but obviously the the film is about privacy issues. It's about le- leaking kind of information online. Right. It's about social media and the, the vitriol of, of the online world, which everyone I'm sure has ex- experienced to some degree. And hearing Sam actually talk about how he, when he had his daughter, I think he started writing this. Or, uh, his his son. son. It was right before... Um... It was right before his son was born. Son, so so he was thinking of the next generation when he was writing this. Did, yeah. Has it opened your eyes to like, oh my god, I do feel sorry for teenagers now, or do you think they're stronger than we give them credit for? I have a seventeen-year-old sister, and she is incredible. She is strong. She knows who she is. She's you know the internet is just a part of her life. You know, like the house she lives in and the school she goes to. It's an embodied or disembodied reality of her world. But she, um, you know, I, I can, I've been around her where, you know, there has been 
you know, drama or like, you know, strange social media things going on for her. But I don't think we have to worry about the next generation. I just think we have to continue taking accountability for the things our current generation struggles with, because they won't go away if we don't, I don't want to say fix, but engage mindfully with Mm. these things. Um, I mean, I look at at my sister, Sabrina, and I don't worry about the future. She is far more well-adjusted than I was Mm. when I was her age. I don't know if that's a generational thing. It might just be her, but... It's an interesting one because I think a lot of teens who are activists, who are genuinely doing amazing stuff, I almost feel like, oh, can't we just let them relax and have fun? You know, when people put all this pressure on. when, When you are young, you feel like you want to. I think there is an idealism in the very young that is transcendent of generations. Mm-hmm. I felt the same way and followed suit with it when I was that age. I was passionate. I feel like if you're not passionate at that age, there might be something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, you haven't had it like kind of scared out of you. Or... One, one, one finds new ways to contribute. One finds a way to fight on potentially in a quieter way or a calmer way or a sneakier way <laughs> yeah how was it working with the other members of the cast because I I, I I was wondering if this was a really stereotypical cliche question of like are you girls just like all best friends on the set but I don't I didn't mean it like that <laughs> no but we <laughs> but are like we were. had so much fun I mean we we shot this film in New Orleans and we arrived right in the thick of the Mardi Gras festival. Um, and that first night, Sam just sent us out. He said, go get in trouble. Go do things I wouldn't do. And we were like, okay. <laughs> and um, Like go and bond. Yeah, go, I mean, go and bond. And like, we weren't forcing it or anything, yeah. but there was a lot to do and a lot to see. Ooh, we got in trouble. <laughs> Definitely banned from at least one bar in New Orleans. Um, oh, and then when all the other... Um, high school performers came we were all just a pack of animals it was nuts new orleans is a fun city (laughs) did you know that you were up for this film from like the audition part you didn't take any convincing or anything was it just like you were always kind of up for it oh yeah i wanted it this is i had been waiting for the perfect thing for about a year since my previous acting job and I I really wanted my next thing to be indispensable and exciting and vivid and then you know the script came along and I just felt that I found it it was one of those parts that I really wanted yeah it's so perfect for you so so good thanks with your relationship with social media because obviously you know I I love following you because I think you post like artistic things but thank you has it has it changed (laughs) thank you (laughs) but with kind of your career evolving do you feel like you don't need to be on it as much or do you feel like you don't need to like share as much or has it just changed I don't feel like I need to be on it as much I was on it a lot when I was trying to be seen trying to prove something trying to frame myself trying to break in and there's so much more that I want to do that's ahead of me but in terms of like breaking in and getting my foot in the door and 
you know, even just having people see me the way I wanted to see myself or the way I saw myself and wanted other people to see me, I feel a bit more comfortable now with all of that than I did when I was maybe 19 or 20 years old. Um, My goals at this point lie outside of Instagram, maybe even outside of the internet in total, but I've also had a lot of fun um, with my private Instagram. Oh, yeah. I, I feel I, like everyone has a private I now. have a sneaky one just for friends. Yeah. I act, I post more on that than I do the other one. I post on that one like six times a day. Mm. It's pretty nuts. I feel like everyone should do that. There's no pressure. There's no pressure. I mean, I, I, learned, I, I learned about Finstas, as mm. they call them, from my sister, She's like, do you have a Finsta? I'm like, what is a Finsta? And she's like, oh, well, you you know, you have your main account for, you know, moms and like parents and, you know, people that you're not that good friends with, but still like. And then you have your Finsta where you just, you know, it's I, I got the idea from the kids. <laughs> because I feel like teenagers delete a lot of their stuff now as well. Like they don't want too much up. Oh yeah, they they absolutely do. It's they're 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 very curated, very conscientious of their brands. Everybody's got a brand. Because one of the message of the films was for me, kind of being more empathetic to other people and like being a good friend. That's that that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, I think particularly with my character, she goes on this um, journey where she learns empathy. She begins the film operating and speaking from a place of trauma in relation to you know what happens to the mayor no spoilers you know because of his political beliefs and the way she's him she she sees him to oppose her and you know how she is and her politics she refuses to empathize with his horrible situation she just can't get there Mm -hmm. And then, no spoilers, at the end, she, um, you know, makes the decision to spare somebody who wouldn't and didn't spare her. Mm, You definitely see that evolution. Yeah, and I I think that's emblematic of, you know, if, if there's any message that we're trying to get through is that this cycle of vitriol and hatred and polarization stops when it stops Mm. and it has to be a choice to stop instead of hitting back and you know just fueling the fire it's about reaching down somewhere and having empathy and a type of love for the people who probably who who might not even give you the same Mm. because if you pay that back it comes back to you yeah and it's not easy sometimes I, I spend a lot of time on Twitter still for, for work. Um, and I just remember a few years ago, it was like so cool to call people out and tear I, people down. I was and, a part of I And was I was on the receiving end. Like I would say like one wrong thing. And I'm like a learning person. Like I, yeah. I, I do care and want to learn. But sometimes you say the wrong thing or you use the wrong word or you like. And it was almost like, oh, my God, that, it feels horrible when you're <sighs> it's cancelled. <it's>, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been on both sides of it. I... When I was in college, I was reading my books and I was learning about systematic inequality in social justice. I was learning about the oppression of people of color historically, the oppression of queer people historically. 
I was learning about, you know, language and history. And there were all of these new ideas and all of these new ways that I could see injustice and straight up violence in the world. And I was almost traumatized by that revelation and I had to do something about it. I felt guilty that I had led my whole life in ignorance. And I I wound up feeling so much better about all of that and about myself when I was identifying that ignorance in other people and calling it out. And it wasn't in an impartial, conversational, cordial way. It was with all of the vitriol that I had turned toward myself mm. for, in my eyes, being in the wrong for so long. But I never found that approach to be effective. It just bred more discord. I've also been called out. I've been come for my politics and my, you know, ways of working and, you know, my approach to my entire job, my entire life, my identity even have been, you know, skewered by people you know, oftentimes people who are quite close to me in whatever way, whether it's my community or my social circle, it is so devastating. There was one particular um, sort of cycle of internet drama and call-outs let, you know, directed at me that plunged me into something that I'm not sure could be diagnosable as, but certainly sort of registered as some kind of emotional breakdown. I was deep in the fucking pit, man, because I had put myself out there trying to do something that I thought would help. And, you know, the people and the supporters of people who I thought it might help construed it in a totally opposite way. Mm. It, Being misunderstood is horrible. It was traumatic. And some, and some of the points that people made were right. Some of them were just straight up fabricated lies. You know, emails I had sent posted and chopped up, you know, occluding certain information. It was one of the lowest points mm. in my life. And I had to rethink my entire approach to how I took up space and what kind of space I wanted to take up. It was a learning experience. It's, um, I mean, I don't mean to be down and I don't mean to be drab, but... I was, in a way, kind of bullied and sort of criticized into a kind of silence that I haven't really broken since. It, it's such an important thing to talk about, I think, because I, th on, I think on the surface, people don't understand how serious it can affect people. Well, I've, I've been focused on listening, and it's good to listen, but I also don't feel like I was fundamentally in the wrong isn't it so weird and illogical that like strangers who you probably will never meet can have such an impact on you because well, like many of these people were people I knew mm, okay. and people I had met and people from my immediate community and that was the hardest part and, and then people started crawling out of the woodwork mm. you know commenting anecdotes about me so it's almost like the real live version of kind of the film in some ways like this can't this happens to to a lot of people Soki's cloud got hacked while we were shooting oh my god <laughs> like the second to last day of shooting Suki's cloud got hacked and all of this stuff was posted online there's a part of me that thinks you know or that feels that if if I were to get hacked 
that you wouldn't really find anything on there that you couldn't also find on your own phone. Mm -hmm. But we see in the film that people don't always think about it that way and project their own fears and anxieties and demons onto these online avatars, these analogs for people. And once it's on the internet, it's easier to depersonalize and dehumanize. Mm -hmm. I've seen people, I've seen people from, you know, that incident that I discussed in real life and there have been moments where I've sort of had to look them in the eye and be like are we okay are we good and those people never have shit to say in person they never want to fight they never want to call out it is so easy for them to sit behind that screen and say what they please but I mean that's not the kind of person I am I just confronted them straight up and not a single one of them had 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 anything to say other than yeah I guess that might have, you know, gotten a little out of hand. And it's, it's funny. So I mean, weird. I mean, I mean, the, the the girl who started it ended up posting an apology, but of course that got no engagement, and the mm-hmm. call out was, you know, borderline viral in certain circles. It's weird. It's like people are actually a different person online, and they think they can be. They are. I mean, I'm a different person online. You know, my blue check accounts. I'm saying, you know, that's my best foot. I have two feet. The other foot is like in in memes and news. <laughs> the fences. <laughs> I had to ask, do you get drawn to thrillers in any way? Because I know that you're in You. I haven't seen it, but I've read the books and I know Caroline who wrote You. Yeah. And um, I'm really excited to watch it. I, I find myself actually doing a lot of thrillers. Like there's, there's, there's Assassination Nation, there's You, which is also a social media thing. And um. The next project that I think I am doing, we're sorting out the schedule right now, is also a social media thriller. (laughs) I just realized that. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is, I mean, again, that's that, you know, it's 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 indie filmmaking. So we're trying to get schedules, you know, hopefully it's all going to work out. But yeah, if it pans out, I'm about to do my third social media thriller. I will watch that too. I didn't. I don't think about these things. I'm not like curating my jobs. Like, oh, I have to do you know confrontational pieces about you know the pitfalls of social media. But here we are. Yeah. But is it is it fun kind of using your platform in this way? Because the bigger it is, the more of a you know the more people you can talk to about things you care about. Is that is exciting for you, or is it more just? I I try not to think too much about my platform. I just I operate. You know, when it comes to choosing my work. I operate from a gut place of what feels good and what sounds like fun. You know, do I like this script? Do I like this director? Am I going to be excited about, you know, getting up every day and going to do this? Mm. That, that's how I choose. Yeah, that's, that's such good advice. Yeah, Because it's still, I think, uh, hard to choose what to do sometimes, especially if you have opportunities. I'm, I'm in a really great position where, you know, because of the work I did in modeling, um, I don't have to act to survive so you know I do have to be quite frugal of course and I have to tell you you know the indie filmmaking world is a little bit more slim pickings paycheck wise to start than modeling was that's Mm -hmm. just a fact but um I'm happy that I have these other resources so that I can um choose my acting work really carefully and curate it and sort of you know I mean I try not to think about like legacy or any of that but it's it's important that as I'm laying the foundations especially now that you know it's I want I want it to be airtight and like I I wouldn't compromise you know the taste that I have 
about film or television as like, you know, a couch critic. I'm not going to like turn that off when I'm, you know, reading work emails. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, congrats <laughs> on the film, seriously. And everyone listening needs to go and watch it because it's it's so entertaining, but it's also it leaves you with something um, to kind of dwell on, think about. So my final question is, and I always ask this, what are you excited about coming up that isn't work related? That's such a good question. Um, well, it's my birthday Aww. on Sunday. So some of my friends in L.A. are planning a birthday weekend. Crazy I love L.A. Spiral extravaganza for me. I know I, I am a recent L.A. transplant. I moved there in February. It <sighs> is a good freaking life out there. The weather. I'm really happy there. Oh, amazing. I remember watching La La Land and just being like, I know that it's not like this every day, <laughs> but I still want to move there now. Yeah, you know, we're all just getting out of our cars and dancing on the roof. <laughs> That's so funny that I could even say that. I've never driven before. I, I need to learn how to drive. It's like an issue. Uber. I've been Ubering and, you know, it's it's a way to go through life it's it's <laughs> it's it's viable i really want to learn to drive though yeah maybe that's the next thing i'm looking forward to learning how to drive well have a lovely birthday and i look forward to all of the other stuff you're doing coming up in the future thank you thank you so much mm-hmm.